Thank God for the Denver Nuggets. That's what I, that's all I have to say about today. Um, no, we have hope, right? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about hope. It's, um, we got hope that maybe the Broncos, maybe not win, but they maybe play they might play again. Um, hey, my name is Rick. I'm one of the pastors around here, and we are starting a brand new series called A Home for Christmas. We, we ended our Thanksgiving series last week, and um, we we're gonna take these, these are little boards that we had people come up and just write something they're thankful for. So we're gonna take them down last week, but they were so cool. I wanna make sure that everybody got a chance to come up and read what, what people wrote. So we left them up one more re- week, and if you haven't got a chance to read some of the stuff that people are thankful for, it's a really, really cool thing. So I love Christmas, and this is a safe space, right? This is a safe space, and, I, and you're not gonna judge me uh, hold things against me. Um, I've been secretly listening to Christmas music for about eight weeks right now. Um, thank you. Yeah, you guys are with me. Um, so it feels good to kind of be able to do that publicly now and not feel, not feel too weird. Um, we started, what started in a living room. And uh, one of the things that we always want to do is kind of, re- kind of keep that living room feeling. And this idea of, of home uh, is what we hope everyone feels. So if you're, if you're a guest for the first time or have been here for a bunch of times, I hope that you just feel like you're, com- that you're coming home. And there's not like a, an entrance, a list of entrance requirements to come and hang out and be a part of, of what God's doing here. It's just this open invitation for people to, to come and call Westwood's home. So thanks so much for being here. Um, Christmas is upon us. And, and when you think about Christmas, uh, there's this... I looked it up, like Christmas is what? Christmas is dot, dot, dot. Let me see if I can find it. Christmas is, here's the definition. An annual festival commemorating the birth of Jesus observed on December 25th. It's celebrated religiously by Christians as well as culturally by non-Christians. That's a, that's a good uh, definition. It's also a great summer festival in Brazil. Who knew? Maybe we should go hang out and see what that's like. It's also Christmas is is a Hallmark is also a Hallmark movie. It's the name of a Hallmark movie. Um, and here's the plot: Benji is upset because he's uh, the second shepherd in the school play. Um, that seems like a movie we all should go watch right away. Um, and according to Dolly Parton, Christmas is a time for caring. So um, those are all options, opportunities. But that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Christmas is this invitation home. That's what we're going to talk about this whole next four weeks. We're in this season called Advent. Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And that's what these candles are about. There's um, different candles for different weeks. And so um, when you think about this invitation home, you know, you know when you walk into a place, it just feels like home. It's, there's, there's something about the smell or something about you know a picture or something about something that just makes you feel like home. That's that's, I think, the feeling that, that we were created for, that we, we were created to, to have intimate relationship with God, a familial relationship with God, a, 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 a son and, or daughter and father relationship with God. And that, I love Romans, Romans chapter one. There's this, little, there's this little line that says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. I think in all of us, we, we realize or recognize that we were created to live in relationship with God. And the more we do that, the more we feel like home, right? Like uh, I, I tell my, my friends who don't know Jesus all the time, when, when we go serve together, there's something that happens, there's something that, that when you're serving unselfishly, 
you're like, oh, this feels so much like home. I think it's because we were created uh, in the image of God. And so our hope is, as we, as we talk about this idea of Christmas coming home, that we find our way back into this intimate, connected relationship with God, or maybe, maybe the next step in our relationship with God. We're gonna, we're gonna look on Christmas Eve, actually. I'm not gonna give too much of it away, but on Christmas Eve, we're gonna look at the, one of the most uh, probably popular stories that Jesus told, the story of the lost son. And there's the story of the son who basically comes to his dad and he's like, hey, uh, I want what you have way more than I want you. Does that make sense? I, I want what you can give me more than I want to be with you. And so will you just give me what's due me and, and I'm gonna go somewhere else. And so the, the father does, gives him uh, what, was, what is due in his inheritance. He goes and the, the Bible says he's, he spends it in wild living and a famine comes and he finds himself uh, alone in a pigsty. There's this little phrase that says, when he came to his senses or he came to himself, he began to, to remember the character and nature of his father. Like, oh, even the servants in my father's house live better than this. Like there's something in, inside of him that said, oh, if, if I get closer to my father, my life will be better. So he went. The Bible says he rehearsed the speech all the way home. Can you imagine that scene in the movie? He's just like, um, he's got these little cue cards. He's on his way home and he's like, uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I should start like this. Maybe I should start with, I'm sorry. Maybe I should, maybe I should first talk about how great he is and then, then say, I'm sorry. Then, no, that's not it. And kind of balls it up and throws it away and writes something else. And writes, he's rehearsing this all the way. And the Bible says, when, when the father saw him coming, the father ran to him. The son never had the opportunity to give the speech because the father just threw his arms around him. And said, I put a robe on him and a ring on his finger, like, like restore us to proper relationship. That's what it means to come home. I think that's, that's this beautiful message of Christmas. And so in four weeks, we're gonna say that Christmas is an invitation to home to peace. That's, that's the fourth week of Advent. We talk about peace. And then the third week of Advent, we're gonna talk about joy, that Christmas is an invitation home to joy. That The pink candle is a joy candle. Doesn't that just look like joy? Um, and then next week, we're gonna talk about uh, Christmas is an invitation home to faith. And today, we're gonna talk about Christmas is an invitation home to hope. We need hope. Um, hope is, is the anticipation of something better. It's, it's, it's that son sitting in that pigsty going, um, there, my life could be better than this. I was, I was made for more than this. And, and hope isn't just in hope. He wasn't just saying, maybe someday if I leave, I'll find something. He was, hope was rooted in the character and nature of his father in that, in that instance. And, and that's what our hope is anchored in as well. The opposite of hope is despair. Actually, I couldn't find a definition of despair that didn't have hope in it that didn't say something like absence of hope, without hope, no longer holding on to hope. And as I, as I started looking at this idea of despair, man, I wrote down these characteristics of despair to see if this sounds familiar at all in our current world that we live in. Char characteristics of despair, doubt, frustration, helplessness, uncertainty, sadness, grief, fear, isolation, exhaustion. Probably all of us have, 
have felt some of, at least some of those, maybe some of us have felt all of those. And, and these are definitely a characteristic of, our, of the culture of the world that we live in right now. Doubt, frustration, helplessness, uncertainty, sadness, grief, fear, isolation. The reality is we need hope. And, and we live in a world in desperate need of hope. We need it personally. We need hope personally. And we live in a world that's desperate for it. And so we're just simply gonna say today, let's just, let's come home to hope. Let's figure out what does it look like in our lives to connect with hope and, and uh, what does Christmas have to do with all of that stuff? So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna open up God's word together. Would you bow your heads and you can pray with me? Lord, thank you for this invitation home. Thanks that we were meant for, meant for more than just survival, more than just our, our small little lives that we can, that, we, that we're smart enough or, or resourced enough to survive or to press into. God, I just ask that you would cultivate in each of us that longing to come home home to you, home to hope. And, more, and, and not just that, you wouldn't just leave us there, but then you would show us the way to experience it. Thanks, God. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you open up to Luke chapter two, maybe the most famous Christmas story in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, grab one that's right around you. I'm gonna take a little drink real quick. I was trying not to sing. That's what gets me every week. <clears throat> and then I sing these great songs with this great music. And then just, I find myself singing. And I'm like, oh, crud. Now I won't be able to talk. But that'll get me through. Here we go. Um, Luke chapter two. By the way, this looks good up here, doesn't it? Chris, nice job, man. Thanks for that. There, Chris's team put all that stuff together. Joe helped. Everybody but me. Um, <laughs> but I can, I can appreciate it. Um, I'm gonna read the first 16 verses, really this whole Christmas story. And then we're gonna focus on the last part of it. Really the next four weeks, we're gonna focus on the shepherd's part of this story. So here it says, Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Luke is a historian. And so you'll see all the way through Luke, these little details, these little historical details that match up perfectly with what was actually happening. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of uh, of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's all of us, by the way. And the angel had left him, or left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread word concerning what they'd uh, been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Now, sorry, I just crunched on my cough drop. Um, The hard thing about teaching on Christmas and Easter is that a lot of us know the story of Christmas and Easter. And so it's easy to kind of go, oh, okay, here it goes. I've, I, and, and especially maybe for some of us, there's a, that's a familiar passage. And so what I'm, what I'm inviting you to do is maybe take off your intellectual hats and like, let's step into the, to the feet of the shepherds, into the shoes of the shepherds a little bit so that we can catch like the awe, the tremendous, incredible, the, the fear, the awe, the incredible gift of, of what they experience in so to do that, I'll just, say, I'll just say, as a shepherd, here's who you are. You're the lowest of the low. As, as a shepherd, you can't even testify in court because who would take the word of a shepherd? As a shepherd, you uh, have no official way to connect religiously with God because as a shepherd, you can't go to the temple. As a, as a shepherd, nobody would invite you to their house. Nobody would be seen with you in public. As a shepherd, you are the lowest of the low. And, 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 just just in case it's not bad enough, you live in a culture that says you deserve it. That the reason that you're like that is because you did something or your parents did something, but that somehow God cursed you. So not only am I the lowest of the low, not only are you the lowest of the low, but... You deserved it because somehow that's what, that's what God thinks of you. That's the place God put you in. And so you're hanging out and, and God, the angel of the Lord, the angel shows up. Do you imagine what you'd feel like? I think when it says they were terrified, I think there's a bunch of, of levels to that terrifiedness. Number one, the hanging out in the dark, all of a sudden this big bright angel appears. That's just that's that's one thing, right? If it's just if it's just a big bright something appears, that would that would be enough to terrify you. But but then you recognize, wait, this this is a messenger of the Lord. I'm I'm not worthy to even connect with God at all. There's only one reason he's here, it's to punish me. You know, I, I, I think when you grow up in, within a religious background, when, when you have this religious connection to God, you think that your connection with God is, comes from you doing good and his love for you goes up and down depending on how good you do or how bad you do. When God shows up in your life, it's a bad thing. I remember thinking for a long time, I, I, I had this picture of God being like this, policeman 
who follows me. You know, I don't know. Does anybody else just pull over when a policeman gets behind you? I, I just pull over. I'm like, you know what? If he follows me long enough, he's going to find a reason to pull me over. So I'm just going to go to 7-Eleven and figure out some way to get into this parking lot. I have this perception of God. And they probably did too. It's the first thing that the angel said is, hey, don't be afraid. Man, when, when God shows up, we don't have to be afraid. We're gonna talk over the next couple of weeks about good news, man. When, the, when we turn Jesus, the message of Jesus to anything but good news, we've got it wrong. I think. And then he begins to talk to them. Do you see? Do you see all these yous? I bring you good news, born to you. This will be a sign to you. I think he does that because they're sitting there going, this angel must have taken a, a wrong turn at Albuquerque. Like there's no way he came to, to see us. Uh, and, and the angel kept having to say, hey, you, it's, this message is for you. Born to you, you will find God, God sees them in their place. God goes to where they're at and he meets them there in, the, in their darkness. They, it, it, it doesn't say, hey, so these shepherds were really spiritually in tune and uh, they knew something was gonna happen. So they, they built a big fire and they got some worship music and they started playing. And they were like cultivating a setting for God to show up in their lives. It doesn't say that. It just says they were out doing their normal stuff and God saw them there. And I, I loved being a parent. I, I guess I'm still a parent. I love being a parent um, and I love being a grandparent. One of the cool things when you have little kids is to play hide and seek. How many of you are hide and seek? How many of you are hide and go seek? Okay, so hide and seek people, hide and go seek people. It's an interesting thing I didn't realize. I'm like writing it down. I wrote it down both ways. I'm like, which way is the right way? I don't know. Um, okay, you guys are like, I know. It's the way I use it. It's the way I do it. The cool thing about when you're playing hide and seek with a little kid, one of the little kid thinks, if they can't see you, what? You can't see them. So they'll just go like, put something over their eyes. They're just standing in the middle of the room with something over their eyes. And, and then as a parent, you're like walking around going, I wonder where this kid is, right? I think sometimes we think that about God too. If we can't see him, he can't see us. That's just not true. God sees you in the everydayness of your life. He sees you not because you've made yourself seeable, or not because you've cultivated a, a right environment to be seen. If, if, I, I think the intentionality around God seeing the shepherds, God announcing Christmas to the shepherds is to say, God, if I see these guys, I see you. And then God doesn't just, you know, he could have said, he could have said, here's the, here's the deal. Here's all the, here's all the pertinent facts. My son is, this is, his name is Jesus. He's my son. He's gonna grow up. He's gonna live this life that's worthy of us imitating. He's gonna live life um, in, under my rule and reign in such a way it's gonna be beautiful and powerful. And then he's gonna um, 
rub people the wrong way. It's an interesting thing, right, about, and we're gonna talk about it in a few weeks. When, when you announce the coming of a new kingdom, the people that are, are, have been the most vulnerable, those people that have been exploited by the current kingdom are excited about that, right? But the people that are doing the exploiting are not very excited about it. You'll see that in the life of Jesus. Like as he begins to cultivate this, this message of a new kingdom and the people that have been exploited by the old kingdom are excited. Actually, it's one of the reasons that Christianity exploded across the Roman empire is, is because it was, it was picked up by shepherds, by people who have been on the outside. So he, the angel could have said, here's the, here's the plan, that's gonna happen. And then he's gonna rub people the wrong way. He's gonna be put to, he's gonna be crucified. He's gonna be buried, he's gonna raise from the dead and then um, uh, offer life through the spirit. So he could have just given them the facts, but he didn't. God, God invites them into his story. The angel said, hey, here's, what, here's what's gonna happen. You will find this, this little baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And, and so they went and and as they found things exactly like God said, then they couldn't help but share it, I'm sure, with, the, with their employers and with, with the people they were selling, selling sheep to and with the other shepherds, the, the idea the, that they were not just given the facts of the story, but actually invited to participate in it is pretty significant. And we, and we are too. I was hanging out with my grandson I'm not sure, uh, I, should, I should have put a picture up because we haven't had a picture lately of Owen, but um, I was, we were out hanging out and he's like, what you doing, Pop-Pop? Can I help? What you doing, Pop-Pop? Can I help? I, I would have, in that moment, I'm, I wouldn't, I didn't go, oh no, sorry, I'm, I'm doing this really complicated thing, right? I was just like, yeah, whatever I'm doing, you can, you can be a part of this. My main thing is not to get this thing done, to actually hang out with you. And in, in, that, in that moment, that, that's what's true about God. God, God. God didn't need the shepherds to tell all these people. He could have, he could have done it, but you know what? He, he wanted to spend time with them. He wanted them to be a part of, of what he's doing. He wanted, wanted their hearts to, to grow as, as they, they were invited to participate in this story. So this Christmas, the invitation is to come home to hope. The band is actually gonna come back up. I forgot to call them up for our service. So I had to pray really long so they could get in, um, in place. So you guys can come on up here. And, um, and I just wanted to give us a couple of things that we can hang on to. Hopefully some of this stuff you can hang on to, but maybe a couple of things. As, as, as stuff starts coming up in your life, as it does, I would just invite you to, to, to whisper this or, or listen to the Holy Spirit as he whispers this. Just because you can't see God doesn't mean he doesn't see you. There's gonna be situations and circumstances you're not sure, you're like, where, where is God in this moment? Where's God in this moment? Where's God in this moment? Does, does he even see me? And I just want you to remember, man, just because you can't see God doesn't mean he doesn't see you and, and meet you in 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 the places that you are in your everydayness and your darkness and your frustration. And then, and then the second thing to begin to say, and what's the big what is the big story that God's telling in this situation? What's, what's the, 
What's the big picture here in this situation? What's the story that God's inviting me into? What is he inviting me to experience? How, how is he saying, hey, I want you to be part of this thing? Um, let's, let's grab a hold of those things this week as we come home to hope. Would you bow your heads and so we can pray together? We bow not because it makes God pay attention, but I just wanna take some time to think through some stuff with you without being distracted. My first question is you're just kind of thinking through, where do you need help? Where does it feel like maybe God doesn't see you? Where do you feel a little like the shepherds, like isolated and put off to a corner, not worthy? Where, do you feel, where, where in your life do you feel despair? Where do you feel isolated? Where do you... Where do you find grief? Maybe in the quietness of this moment, maybe you just wanna listen to the Holy Spirit as he whispers, just because you can't see him doesn't mean he doesn't see you. That God sees you and he loves you and he's for you. And then maybe you just could just ask, God, will you just help me see the big picture? Help me see the big story of what you're inviting me into. And those of you that are here that are just trying to figure out who God is, maybe you could just pray and just say, God, I, I, I don't even know if I'm talking to the ceiling right now, but if you're real and you're there, I wanna see you. invite it. God, I just invite you to wash away any false beliefs we have about who Jesus is, any, any religious ladder climbing that we try to do to get God to love us. Wash that away. And cultivate that feeling in our heart, that longing to be home. Wherever we're at in our relationship with you, that you draw us closer to you. We love you. Thanks that you love us.